In the name of Jesus, amen. Two simple words I want to show you and keep with you today. Not very motivational, but nonetheless very true. Life stinks. It truly does. And if you think it doesn't, take a look at your life and take a look at the world around us. It is not getting any better, is it? What are you looking for in life? A certain job with no worries and being able to work with everyone without fears? Not going to happen. Freedom from the financial fears? In an oversaturated climate of inflation? Fat chance. No more wars, issues, and political tensions. Fighting and slandering each other? Fantastic! Who doesn't want that? All we have to do is stop sinning. All we have to do is stop focusing on ourselves and what we can get out of me, myself, and I. The perfect body, the perfect weight, nice hair, that's on my list, cancer or diabetes free, good luck with that, especially since you and I are one day closer to the grave. My sins tell me I'm a sinner because I now have to wear glasses. My sins tell me that I'm a sinner because I have high blood pressure. My sins tell me that I am a sinner because of all of the physical things that we suffer in. And in all of this, you and I think that life can somehow get better. And so what does it lead us to? Anxiety, fears, thoughts of the unknown. Proverbs 12 says this quick, very nicely. Anxiety leads to depression, but the good word of God brings joy. How many times are you like me where we're saying, if I could do it all over again, then I would do this. I would have become this. I would have gone that path or that direction. And yet all along, this thing called life keeps rolling on, and yes, it stinks. Who says that you deserve a better life? Who says that things should be going well for you and happy? You and I are sinners. We love to look at each other not with compassion and love and mercy. We love to set up our own little fences and our own little thrones to judge each other. And how many of us cannot see the true blessings that God has given to you and me in body and soul? You live in the wealthiest country in the history of the world. Yet there's nothing to eat. I don't like that restaurant. My 401k is dipping. I can't believe our political leaders are talking like this. Why shouldn't life stink? Why shouldn't it be problematic and full of fears and doubts? You have added to it, and so have I. Not in the goodness and mercy that God gives to us, but yet in everything we strive for perfection, don't we? We want it to be the norm. If I can just get through this day, everything will be fine. If I can just get through this particular moment in life, I can set everything on cruise control. If I can just get to this point, maybe that other shoe won't drop. 
Luther, though, has some great worldly advice. In his own little way, he says life stinks. He talks about the cross and the suffering being the norm for your life. Every day, get up and look at the fact that there will be cross and suffering. And then he says that's the norm. But he says if things go well and you rejoice and you are happy, that's because it is absolutely abnormal. Look at this and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. And rejoice in it, but also know cross and suffering are the norm. How did this all happen? Well, very early on, we decided that we had something better than what God had given to us. Jesus tells us that today. He says there is a feast to be had, a party. Who doesn't love a party? There is no need for hatred and impatience for anything but an invitation drawn solely from the love of God, the love that is sacrificial, the love that is not lustful, the love that is not focused on yourself, but the love of God coming from outside of you and me. God doesn't look at you and say, well, when you're in the kingdom of God, you got to be obedient. you got to sit there and follow the rules. He says it is a feast, a party. Friend, come sit up higher. This is the feast of well-aged food, of well-aged wine. And yet the party is not what you and I want. But Jesus says today, there will be a feast. Whether you like it or not, there is no need to sit there and let it all be compared to the world. The feast is ready. Come to the feast. And what is the answer you heard today? We've got better things to do. I just bought land and I have to go examine it. I have a bunch of new cows and I need to make sure they're taken care of. I just got married. And I don't think my wife would be so happy if I came to this feast. Do you notice that all three of those things today are perfectly fine? It's not as if, well, I'm going to go to the bar and get drunk and not go to your feast, or I'm going to do whatever else it is. Checking your land, checking your cows, and making sure that your marriage is going well are perfectly fine things, but not for the master of the feast. Jesus wants it all. It's not what the ideal life is what we want, though. There are two ways before every human being. Two ways. Whether you are in this house and in this faith or not. Two ways. And I don't care how much you try to hide it or ignore it. Two ways. The way of life and the way of death. And I will choose the way of death every time. Won't you? The way of death says I should be the one who is God. I'm the one who should be the one in charge. I am the one who the world is centered on. And come on, you're the same way. Aren't we all? How many of us are simply boiled down to the first commandment and our abuse of it? And then you get into the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. How are you doing with that? 
How are you putting others before yourself? Pray, pray, pray that the Lord would lead you not in the temptation, but deliver you from the way of death, that he would also lead you from the stopping of hating, worrying about the future, and so much about the great what-ifs. What if the market goes further south? What if the doctor comes back with my, drug pa- my, my blood panels and said it's not good? What if this person gets reelected or elected? It's the way of life and death. But even more so, in the midst of the way of life and death, you are only given today. Think about that. You could keel over of a, whatever one of these doctors here could tell you you could keel over from. <laughs> you could get hit by a truck going to Father's Day brunch. You're not guaranteed every day. What plans do you have later this week, next month, and everything else in between? There is no guarantee for tomorrow. And yet the kingdom of God in your midst tells us that the feast is before you today. And in the kingdom of God, following the Ten Commandments is a beautiful world. In the kingdom of God, a world centered around the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, does not need any kind of punishment. It's so easy to hear about the wedding feast today and immediately assume, well, this is about coming to church. It is, but that's not all that it is. It's much larger than that, although it's part of it. Church here today is not what you've come in here today to do for God. Because if you're here today, maybe you're here every Sunday, maybe you're here because Dad and his day. It's not about what you have come here to do today. It's about life in the midst of death. Not about what you're doing, but about what Jesus is bringing to you, a different way, a way of life. It doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't compute. How can we live in a world where we're just given everything by God in forgiveness and salvation? That doesn't help my finances. It doesn't help my political views. It doesn't help my worries, anxieties, or depression. Doesn't he know it doesn't work like that? The mistake is thinking that you've gotten here by yourself, by your own choice, that you and I were the ones that have somehow accepted the invitation. Yet what does Jesus say? You do not choose me. Rather, I have chosen you. Look at what happens when the invited are happening here today. They run away. They run away. Not a single one says, I'll accept that invitation. They got better things to do. And I guarantee if this was about you and your acceptance and me, we would have something better to do. So what does this mean? Who is seated at the feast? Who is seated at the table? There are those who are invited. They want nothing to do with it, worried about the cares of the world. So what does God say? He doesn't say, close up shop, the party's over, send back the caterer, let's get a refund. He says, no, 
I will still have my party. There will be people, the lame, the crippled, the homeless, the poor, those who have nothing to contribute to society, those who you look upon with great judgment and no mercy. And me too. Those for whom life has seemed to be cheated, robbed and left for dead, the least, the last, and the losers in life, they are the ones who are not given the invitation they are brought in because they could not have walked, they could not have seen or found the place with their GPS. They're powerless and confused and they are weak and that is how the kingdom of God works even for you. Even though this kingdom will cause Jesus great pain and suffering at my hands and your hands, it gets Jesus crucified, but it also means that you might find your own cross and suffering too. Luther says as well, when you do good, expect suffering. Ever done something nice for people and you hear, well, they could have at least sent a thank you note? They could have at least said thank you? Expect suffering because you live in the pattern of Jesus. It got Jesus crucified and you might find your own cross too. And we as Christians living now the way of life, please understand, this is not about your knowledge. It's about looking death in the face and saying, we're not bothered by this. For we have died already with Jesus in our baptism. With the cross always comes resurrection. Death is not your Lord. Death is not your final end. The Lord of life, the Master, has gathered you. The very light of the world which shines out in the darkness has set his feast before you right here and right now. The feast of victory, the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world has set this before you and comes and says to you, have a seat, be fed by my mercy, my goodness, and my forgiveness. The same mercy and forgiveness and love that goes out in you as little Christs to shine out into the light of the world. This is the world that you're given at this place that you and I have been brought into. You have a world in which death is nothing because it is overcome by Jesus' own resurrection. A world in which nothing is worth being angry about because everything is forgiven and loved. A world in which you are brought into the feast precisely because in my sins and your sins we are lame crippled, homeless, poor, starving, sinful, picked up and hand-selected in baptism, called by name and carried to the table where you are fed. Life stinks, but he has chosen you. From the foundation of the world, he calls you by name. He has ordained that every day happen to you Every breath that you take is given by Him. Life stinks. Yes, accept it. Suffering and cross are the norms. 
If you find the new Maserati from your kids today, that's abnormal. <laughs> your ideal world will always be a train wreck, a dumpster fire, and hardly recognized because it's all empty, it's all vain, it's all leading us to a box in the ground. But you and I today have been called to repentance. You have also been called by the love of God who also gives you the ability now to love one another. And all of this is here today at the Master's Feast. The feast has been prepared. The feast of life. The feast of resurrection, the feast of Jesus' love flowing freely from his cross, and it is so much better and more than you could have thought, and yet you are here. Luther's last words as he died was not, I gave it the good fight, I tried my best, I think I was faithful. Luther said very simply before he died, we are all beggars. Every last one of us. And yet, as we said, or sang, excuse me, Lord, I believe what you have said. Help me when doubts assail me. Remember that I am but dust and let not my faith fail me. Your supper in this veil of tears refreshes me and stills my fears and is my priceless treasure. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your Father has chosen to gladly give you His kingdom. It stinks. Let us rejoice with one another what has been given by the great master of the feast because it's all centered on you. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>